I want to give you a word for your vocabulary bank, okay? Um, and it's straight from the hood. So if you, if you ever spend any time in the hood or you might spend some time in the hood, make sure you use this word. Here it is. You, might, you may have heard it. Uh, it's hard. goes hard. So if you see something that's tight or you see something that uh, I'm using words to describe, hood words to describe hood words. Okay. So if you see something very good, something you admire, then you can say, man, that go hard. Well, we know language, it, it evolves, so to speak. And... Um, now the word in the hood is ham. So it used to be, man, that go hard. Now it's, man, that go ham. Well, what we're going to take for this church is we're going we gonna to flip it, and we're going to say, man, that go Abraham. And it went Abraham this morning. And uh, so, yeah, y'all, y'all make sure you tell these guys uh, thank you and good job after the, after the service. So we are in the fourth week of the Story of God, 16-week series, and it's going down. We have already seen the eternal pre-existence of God depicted in the show. We've already seen God's wonderful, beautiful, perfect creation. We've seen Adam. We've seen Eve. We've seen that snake who had problems, and he wanted to share his problems with the world. And we've seen sin. We've seen death. We've seen God's holiness. And he says, man, i got to address your sin. I can't overlook it. So God had to address the sin, and he pushed them out of the garden. We've seen death and we've seen men and women being born into the world, living lives and then dying. We've seen the flood. We've seen the Tower of Babel. And today we've seen Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. I do want you to know before I dig in that there are two things that we're reaching for with this, uh, with this series. You've heard, uh, you've heard us talk about it before. I think Pastor Shannon mentioned it earlier. Um, reason for two things. One is what we're calling the lower story. Two is what we're calling the upper story. Look to your neighbor and say, upper story. Look to your other neighbor and say, lower story. So lower story is the plot. It's what's happening. It's the nuts and bolts. It's the mechanics. It's what is going on. And um, the upper story is what my job is today. My job is to help you see what the lower story means. The question is, what is being proclaimed about God in this story? What, what do we learn about this God who's been introducing himself to Abraham and his people? What, what can we draw from this and apply it to our everyday life? How many of you guys remember singing a song? Y'all help me out. Father Abraham had many sons. Help me out. And many sons had... Hey. Hey, and I am one of them, and so are you. Yes. So let's just... I learned that song when I was in the second grade. Appreciate y'all. I learned that song when I was in second grade. And I used to wonder, man, what does this have to do with me? Like a second grader, how does this affect me? So my job today is to help you connect the dots. What does Abraham have to do with you, Bell, also known as Bell Cares on Facebook? What does, what does, what does this have to do with Bell in 2012 in Asheville with Highland Christian Church? What does Abraham have to do? And uh, I got four things. I want you to get out of this. Look to your neighbor and say four things. So before I touch on those four things and dig in, I do want you to know that what you're going to see today, what you've seen in the last three weeks, and what you will see continuing forward in the series is this tension that we're reaching for. The tension is essentially what Abraham lived with. There was a point in Abraham's life, he didn't know God was going to actually come through like he came through. God made a promise to Abraham, and Abraham had to trust that what God said he was going to do, he was going to do it. 
So we look back now, we're benefited with Jesus Christ having fulfilled all of these things. And we can look back and we say, yeah, I get it. But Abraham didn't understand. Abraham, God was building Abraham's faith. So my job today is to try to embrace the tension. Say embrace the tension. So I'm trying to embrace the tension and help us kind of sit inside of what, what was going on in Abraham's heart and in his mind. I think the Lord is going to do something crazy good with it. So if y'all ready, say yeah. yeah. So four things I want you to get out of this. Um, I hope you brought something to write with, something to write on. You got an iPhone or an iPad or something. If you don't, just commit it to your memory. Point number one, look to your neighbor and say, point number one. First thing we get out of this true story of this man, this real man who lived, Abraham, first thing we get is big, man. We got to get this on the, I want you to write this down and get this on your, on your heart, man. Here it is. When we don't do things God's way, people get hurt. I didn't hear no amens, but I know I'm about to preach. When we don't do things God's way, people get what? So you just saw the story, true story. But God had revealed himself to Abraham. He made him a promise. He told him, dude, I want to bless you, man. I'm going to give you a kid. You know that kid you've been dreaming about your whole life? Man, I'm going to give him to you. And I got big plans for you. So if you trust me and do what I'm asking you to do, it's going down, man. It's going down. Look to your neighbor and say, it's going down. But somewhere in Abraham's heart, um, he began to waver from the fact that God had told him what he wanted, what he expected, and his wifey got this idea. What was the idea? She's like, man, listen, she's like, your girl's getting old, and I want a baby, so how about you just make a baby with my servant? And that was Abraham's opportunity to be like, nah, I'm gonna lead this family like God is calling these men in this church to lead our family, and I appreciate your input, and we are partners in this marriage, but I got to exert my godly leadership and say, nah, we ain't doing that. But did Abraham do that? He didn't do that. Abraham did what God had commanded him not to do. And that was the first time we saw biblical baby mama drama. You can write that down. <laughs> biblical baby mama drama. And uh, Abraham was about to come to terms with a very, very important concept Point number one, he's going to learn this in his life through experience, that when we don't do things God's way, people get hurt. Um, now, you've probably heard experience is the best teacher. That's not true. You do not have to learn through experience. You can learn from other people's examples. You can learn from God's word. You do not have to make a mistake to learn that God has a path and a plan and a purpose for your life. If you step outside of that purpose and that plan, you're going to have issues, okay? Let me uh, give you some scriptures to demonstrate what I'm talking about. Proverbs 16.25. You can write these down, man. I know they're on the screens, but I want you to write these down when you get back to the crib, man. Get them in on the inside of you, okay? The scripture says, there is a way which seems right to a man. Say, seems right. But the end is the way of death, destruction. Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? Question. How can he do it? Answer. By living according to your word. John 13, Jesus Christ says, man, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you what? If you do them. Matthew 7, Jesus Christ again. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
Jesus said, man, blessed are those who hear the word of God. Luke 11, 28. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And then check this out. This is powerful right here. Jesus was preaching to this multitude, huge amount of people, right? And as he was preaching, his family came up in there and they had like this VIP pass. They're like, man, that's, that's, my, that's my boy. That's my brother. And, you know, Mary, like, that's my son. I want to see my son front row. He preaching, right? And so the crowd was like, hey, Jesus, your mama and all your brothers are here to see you. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I'm going to tell you who my mother and my brothers are. My mother and my brothers are the people who hear God's word and put it into practice. Jesus was big on not just hearing God's word, not just hearing the voice of the Lord, not just hearing his commands, but honoring them things, man, obeying God. And when we step outside of that, it's going to be problems. Tell you a true story about a young woman named Keisha. As you guys probably know, I'm privileged to run a foundation um, in a public housing neighborhood, and I'm privileged. That's right. I have a dream foundation because I do have a dream. And what uh, I love being, I love being there and being based in the neighborhood because I see, I see what happens when people step outside of God's will or if they step in it. And this young woman, Keisha, um, she came in with her mom and her mom was upstairs in the computer lab uh, using the, the, I gotta show y'all some love, I haven't been over here at all. Um, She was in the computer lab uh, writing a resume for a J-O-B, a job. And if you ain't got a job, get one, man, it's tight. So, um, so, Keisha was downstairs playing with her baby, and I walked downstairs. Keisha said, Keisha, what's up, man? I'm Jazz. How you doing? And she says, I'm doing well. I said, tell me about your baby. So she goes on to tell me about her baby, and uh, I said, well, what about, what's up with the baby's dad? Y'all together? Y'all married? Uh, what's, what's up? So she tells me, no, baby's dad is tripping. He ain't no good. You know, he left me. He this, he that. I said, well, tell me what you believe about Jesus Christ, man. Where you at with the Lord? And she says, man, I don't do the whole God thing. I said, well, what's up with that? She said, if God was so good, why would he do this to me? So I had to correct her, man, in love and embrace and in gentleness. I had to correct her. I had to get, make sure she got something straight. I said, well, listen, God didn't do this to you. God had a plan for relationships, a plan for physical in- intimacy. God has a plan, and when you step outside of that, you're going to taste the consequences. But here's the good news. Look to your neighbor and say the good news. Notice what happened with with Abraham. When Abraham sinned with with Hagar, God didn't say, oh my goodness, you could have had all these blessings. I'm going to kill you right now on the spot. Oh, you make me. God didn't flip out and and curse Abraham. He didn't flip out and just zap this dude with, with a lightning bolt. He embraced Abraham and the fact that he had sinned against him. So Abraham has sinned against God. God, in love, said, man, if you trust me from this point, I'll redeem what you've done. What I'm trying to tell you is that God is not out to get you. He don't hate you. He loves you. He's not out to, to, to mess your life up because you sinned. We all sinned. You might have stepped outside of marriage to do things that husband and wives uh, do, uh, God calls them to do. And you might have made some bad choices. But God ain't out to kill you. He ain't out to destroy you, man. He's got a plan. And if you stop and you trust his plan, 
He'll demonstrate himself as a redeemer. And that's what God did. So God said, stop. I didn't hear no amens right there. I don't know if y'all hearing me. So God demonstrated something very important about himself. He showed Abraham that, yes, when you don't do what I'm telling you to do, when you step outside of my, my plans and my expectations and my boundaries for your life, there are going to be problems. But stop. Trust me. Follow me. And I'll redeem it because I love you. Look to your neighbor and say, when we don't do things God's way, people get hurt. Point number two, if you're with me, say, yeah. Yeah. Point number two, I want you to understand that when this God was introducing himself to Abraham, he was revealing something really awesome, something radical. Check out what this God is trying to say. I want you to know, and you can write this down, point number two, this God is not looking for religious tradition. He's not looking for religious tradition. He's looking for radical trust. This God is not looking for religious tradition. He's looking for radical trust. Say trust. Now let me define my terms. Religion is not just what a person thinks about God and the world and creation. It's a big part of it. But religion has always been man's attempt to appease God. And I don't mean just... I don't, this doesn't just happen in, in the jungles of South America and totem poles and all this thing. I'm talking about right now. Um, Islam teaches that Caleb on your shoulder right now, can't see him, but on your shoulder right now, there's an angel on each shoulder. And these angels are recording, one's recording your good deeds and one's recording your bad deeds. And when you die and you stand before Allah, if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you get to go to paradise. If your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds, then you're going to burn, baby, burn. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the teaching. That's what we call religion. Mormonism. You guys probably hear me talk about Mormonism a lot. Probably see me make some Facebook posts. Look to your neighbor and say, Jazz loves Mormons. <laughs> and I really do. But the reason, I, the reason you will hear me address Mormons directly and without reservation, but with gentleness and with love, is because Mormonism is not Christianity. And here's why. From the Mormon sacred text, the Book of Mormon, 2 Nephi 25-23, it won't be on the screens, and this is something I share with the Mormons um, every time we meet, it says this in their own sacred text, the Book of Mormon, it says, for we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children, and also our brethren to believe in Christ. That sounds good, right? It says, and to be reconciled to God. That sounds good, right? For we know that it is by grace that we are saved. That sounds good, right? Right here in the Mormon text, listen, after all we can do, that's religion. That's not Christianity. That's religion. That's Mormonism. In the Book of Mormon right there, we're saved by grace after all we can do. God is not after religious tradition. He was revealing to Abraham he's after radical trust. All religions is man's attempt to reach God and appease God and satisfy God and make God happy with me. And God is revealing something to Abraham that's new. He says, man, I'm not after what you can give me. I want you to trust me. So how did it go down? God told Abraham, listen, I want you to sacrifice your son that I've given you. That must have blown Abraham's mind. Man, I've been waiting 99 years for this. And then you come to me talking about, man, I want you to sacrifice my my son. But notice, the scripture doesn't say that Abraham backtalked God. It says... 
Go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. And it says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded up that donkey. Him and two of his servants went up to sacrifice his son. It was customary. It was religious. You come to grips with a God, he wants you to give him something. Come to grips with a God, I got some blonde hair in my head. You come to grips with God, you got to satisfy him. You got to give him something to make him happy with you. But God was demonstrating something very new and something very radical, something very good and something very beautiful. Right when Abraham was about to plunge the knife, God said, stop. I'm not after your son. I don't need you to kill that, that dude. I want your trust. The scripture says, God said, man, now I know that you fear God. And when it says fear God, he's not saying he's, oh, boo-boo, the booger man. He's saying, I know you trust. I know you trust me. Let me develop that word just a little bit before I move on to point number three. Trust. God is looking for your radical trust. Raise your hand if you've ever gone or you want to go skydiving. Okay. Now, all y'all need Jesus. Pastor Shannon, let's get the oil out. Let's talk with these guys. Something is wrong. Strongholds going on in here. Okay. So my wife wants to go skydiving, and I'm her husband, not her daddy, so I, I don't tell her she can't. I say, baby, please don't go skydiving. And she asked me, won't you come skydiving with me? And, and, and I say, the minute, the day, the day I wake up and a feather's gr- growing out of my skin, I'm going to go skydiving. And to the heaven, I ain't going skydiving, okay? Well, check it out. Let's say you were going skydiving. Nate, Nate Huff, let's say you're going skydiving, you and the wifey, okay? And you know, since you... You're going to be skydiving. You got a good that You're going to be playing all the way down, okay? Okay, so, so you skydiving, Nate, and you in the belly of the, of the, of the plane, you about to jump out, and Hannah's like, no, Nate, don't jump. Put on your parachute. And you're like, I believe in parachutes. She said, no, 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 Nate, put on the parachute. You say, I've been believing in parachutes since I was a little boy. He'll say, if you don't put on that parachute, what's going to happen? You're going you're gonna to demonstrate my point to Maggie that you shouldn't be uh, skydiving in the first place, okay? So Nate has got to move beyond believing in parachutes. He got to trust that parachute. God is not after you believing in him. Believing in God is not going to save you. Believing in Jesus Christ is not going to save you from your sins. The question is, are you going to trust Jesus Christ? Are you going to put Jesus Christ on before you jump? You've got to trust Jesus Christ. So what's the, mo- the world's most famous Bible verse? Y'all help me out. God so loved the world, what? Help me out. He gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You got to understand that word belief is not cognitive. That word believe is trust. Whoever trusts Jesus Christ would not perish but have everlasting life. Point number two, God is not looking for religious tradition. He is looking for radical what? Trust. Say it like you mean he's looking for radical what? Trust. Trust. Point number three, if you're with me, say yeah. yeah. This is a fun one. Point number three, write this down. This God that's revealing himself to Abraham wants to be absolutely first in your life. This God is not willing to take a back seat to nothing. Nothing. Say nothing. <laughs> nothing. Notice that when God came to Abraham... He didn't say, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your favorite pair of sandals. He didn't say that. He didn't say, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your favorite donkey or your favorite camel or whatever they rode. 
He didn't say, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice. I want you to give me your two-story, four-bedroom, 2.5 bath tent with the swimming pool in the back. He didn't say that. He didn't even say, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Ishmael. He didn't say that, did he? What did he say? He said, I want you to give me who? Isaac. What was he saying there? What's the upper story? What he was saying, man, I want to be absolutely first in your life. The way I call it, I call it the divine dilemma. You got this awesome God, amazing God, who has all things in his hand. The scripture says, man, God is the one who gives anybody the ability to get rich. Even people who don't trust God or know God or love God, they can't get rich unless God actually permits it. God has the ability to bless you with things. But here's the dilemma. God gives us things, those things we pray about and we dream about, we've got ambitions for. Those are the very things that lead us away from him. I ain't hear no amens, but I know I'm preaching right now. I stepped on somebody's big toe when I said that right there, okay? Let me ask you this question. What do you think about right before your head hits that pillow? Or when your head is on that pillow and you're looking up, what is it that you're, that you're thinking about? What's on your mind? What's on your heart when you wake up in the morning? What is God competing with in your heart? Is it a car? Is it a girlfriend? Is it a boyfriend? Is it a dream? Is it an ambition? Is it a scholarship? Is it a sport? Is it fame? Is it money? Is it popularity? Is it that people will accept you and, and, and admire you? These aren't, these aren't bad things, but they become bad if they're first and God is not. So here's the question. What is God competing with in your heart? Point number three, God wants to be absolutely what? First in your life. And my last point, look to your neighbor and say, he about done. Last point, and I want you to get this, and I'm glad I get to settle on this, and Nate going to sing about this thing in a minute. This God who was introducing himself to Abraham, this wonderful God who's radically different than the other gods who posed to be gods, this God is a giver. He's a giver. I got one amen over here. He's a giver. Notice what happened. Genesis 22, 13 through 14. It says, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, what did he see? He saw a ram caught by his horns. It says he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Now, who, who felt bad for the ram that was on the play today, man? I was like, man, sorry, dude. <laughs> you know what Abraham named the place that he offered that ram? Yahweh Yireh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. God was revealing something very important. He said, man, all these other gods, they want what you can give them, but I'm here to show up and to give you something. What was the initial promise that God made Abraham? Genesis 12 says, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your people and your father's household to the land I'm going to show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Say bless. It says, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Say blessing. It says, I will bless those who bless you. Say bless. And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed. Say blessed through you. Well, here's the question. What does God mean? by blessing. 
Abraham was already filthy, stinking rich. Did y'all know that? God didn't need to give him money. And then God doesn't just say, Abraham, I want to bless you, and I want, I want people to admire you and envy you. He said, no, I want to bless you. I want to bless the whole world through you so that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. What is he saying here? Check it out. All my fellas in here that got a girlfriend or a wifey or, or a lady, raise your hand. All right, raise your hand if you, if you want a wifey, but you didn't raise your hand because you ain't got one right now, okay? <laughs> it's all right, man. It's all right. You hit up that Facebook, baby. You got to get the work, son. Okay. So, so check this out. Fellas, if you was trying to put some swag on your relationship, right, and you was trying to, you was trying to win, win your girl's heart, I mean, I... I Maggie, her birthday was just uh, a couple weeks ago, and Maggie been asking me, man, I want to go to the Admiral. Y'all ever been to the Admiral in West Asheville? Maggie was super excited about going to the Admiral. We got to the Admiral. She saw this thing on the, on the menu. She was like, yeah, I want the tartar. She got the tartar, and she didn't know tartar was uncooked meat. <laughs> what? So anyway, I love Maggie, man. So I wanted to make sure she wanted to go to that restaurant. Man, we're going to go to that restaurant. She wanted to spend some time with, with our nephews and eat ice cream and cake. Man, we're going to eat ice cream and cake. I want to dig way down deep in my pocket, and I want to dig way down deep in my wallet, and I want to go on my BB&T account, and look, man, well, I, got, I got this much of my savings, I got this much of my checking account. What can I give my wifey to show her how much I love her, man? Well, God has done the same thing. God has dug down way down deep in his pocket. He dug down way down deep in his wallet, and he was on his heavenly BB&T account and checking out how much he had in savings and checkings, and he said, man, I'm going to give the world something that's going to really win their heart. I'm going to give them the best gift I could give them. And it wasn't a private island. It wasn't a trip to, uh, for me, it would be a trip to Ingalls and fried chicken, but it wasn't that. <laughs> it wasn't a car. It wasn't a crib. It wasn't a girl. It wasn't a guy. It wasn't a basketball scholarship. It was himself. What's the word? God so loved the world. What did he do? gave his only begotten son. We learned back in scene two that although they sinned, God was sending this, this person in the future, this serpent crusher that will put an end to the work of this serpent. Man, all this C-R-A-P that this serpent started, there was going to be this, this, this person to come through the lineage of, of Eve. He was going to crush the head of this serpent, so to speak. He was going to destroy the works of the evil one. And now we see through Abraham, we got some more information about this serpent crusher that's coming. He's going to be through Abraham's lineage. And somehow he's going to bless the whole world. Here's something, I don't want to spoil it, but y'all know the story. There's something about this serpent crusher. He's not just a man. God could dig way down deep in his pockets. What would he give? Who would he give? Be himself. Nate's going to come on up. And I want to encourage you with this. What is God competing with in your heart today? What is that thing that you dream about? God wants to bless you. He wants to love you well. He wants you to find the abundant life. He said, man, I came to give you life in it abundantly. But here's the question. Are you going to walk it out like Abraham? 
is God enough for you? If there was no heaven, there was no fear of hell, would your pursuit of Jesus Christ change? There was, there was nothing on the other side of your last breath. There is. But if there was nothing on the other side, have you come to grips with the reality of a relationship with this God where you say, man, God is enough? I have a very apologetic thinking mind. I love, I love debates and I love talking with people who disagree and trying to sharpen myself and come to terms with what's really true and just because I believe something don't make it true. And I can go to bat with, some, with the best of them, uh, at least around here. Uh, sometimes I get a skeptic that no matter what type of argumentation I can use to show him he needs Jesus Christ, he ain't having it. But there's something that every person in this room can use to demonstrate the truth of our God. And this is it. It's not an apologetic argument. It's not leading them to the scripture and explaining scriptural criticism and why we know the Bible has been preserved through the ages. The best thing you can do to demonstrate the validity of your God is for him to be enough in your life. What would happen in our world, in our community, in our church, in your family, in your marriage, if God was enough? What would happen if God asked you to give Isaac up and you did that? What would happen to your marriage? What would happen in your life? What would happen in this city? So that's my challenge for you today. Here's the so what. I'm going to challenge you to take up the mantle of Abraham. Is God enough for you? He's worthy. He'll build your faith. God didn't start off asking Abraham for Isaac. I could go on and on and on and on about how awesome this God is. Let me leave you with this. With this. this God is not looking for religion. He wants trust. This God is a giver. He wants your heart today. Is there reality to what Nate sings about, what Pastor Shannon preaches about? Is there reality to what Miss Sue teaches our children? Is there reality to it? There is. And I pray that today the Lord will reveal that to you that you would come to terms with this awesome God and the serpent crusher who's to come. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word that reveals to us your story. Lord, I thank you that you are, that you're a good God. There's nothing we can give you. You're not lacking anything. You want our heart and you want our trust. Lord, today I just pray that you would build somebody's faith in here. Lord, I pray that today somebody will walk out of this building encouraged in their pursuit of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that somebody would ask the question, what is competing with my God? Lord, I pray that you would just speak, you would reveal yourself, that you would have your way that you would grow up in this community, in this church, a family of people who call you God, who call you Lord, who call you enough. That is my prayer, and I ask it in the beautiful, blessed, marvelous, wonderful, glorious, holy, precious name of Jesus Christ.
And everybody say it. Amen.